to the 12th episode of the Waterlog Podcast. We're your hosts, Howard Marlow and Dan Ginalfi. Thanks very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Mary Impeachments, update on federal funding, uh, how Congress is eyeing coastal resilience, finally, uh, a new bill in Congress that could slash states' input on the Clean Water Act, get a, uh, some brief input on the National Flood Insurance Program and how risk rating 2.0 is delayed. We have a special segment from Joe Rossi, the executive director of the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition. And then finally, uh, some miscellaneous items related to new bills and other things that you know, keep an eye out for on our show. So to get us started, Democrats want to impeach Trump prior to Christmas. Howard, that's not very nice. But someone's been naughty, and then again, Trump does want more coal. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. And if Democrats want their way, commander-in-chief position then goes to a man who calls his wife mother. So who we, is that, I wonder? <laughs> we've gotten ourselves into. But let's not get too far ahead. Uh, Thanksgiving comes first. What are you guys be thankful for this year? Oh, we have to be thankful for the fact that we have survived. <laughs> I think that's an important one. We've had a year in which, uh, politically speaking, the turmoil has gotten significantly greater. Uh, and uh, we've been able so far to survive. And I think uh, I look at that a lot from uh, the issue of the storms that we've had also. We've been able to survive those. I'm not sure we've made a heck of a lot of advance in terms of proactivity, in terms of uh, reducing things. So maybe I'm throwing some coal on it, too. I don't know when. We do have some new resilience grants. Uh, the House is pushing to unlock the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund. Uh, we have an overturned solicitor's opinion on the Coastal Barrier Resources Act and how that relates to dredging, beach nourishment. And as I mentioned before, talk, uh, talks on climate change about uh, coastal resilience and climate change and uh, you know some pressing issues that are affect us and our environment. Now let's talk a little bit about an update on federal funding. Well, we've got a uh, standstill on all 12 appropriation bills. And the general feeling was that there are going to be two bills. In essence, you take the 12 bills, you put them into two packages. One was called domestic, the other um, defense. And the fact is that both are stalled. Uh, the issues, uh, at least before this weekend, were twofold. One, uh, that Congress hasn't agreed Republicans and Democrats on how much money each subcommittee, each of those 12 bills, what was their spending limit. And without that kind of agreement, the House came up with bills they already passed, but the Senate wanted to come out with bills that were going to have different spending levels. The other disagreement area is the wall. The President's wall, uh, he wants money to spend, I guess, at least $5 billion and the Democrats in the Senate don't want that to happen, uh, and the Democrats in the House didn't want it to happen in any of the bills that they already passed. So bottom line, nothing was moving. This past weekend, we at least got over one hump, and I think that's significant. Um, we now reached agreement, uh, House and Senate, Democrats and Republicans, on the levels of spending for each of those bills. And I'm going to go back to being an optimist, which is not my normal place to be, and say that that means that they can start working on how they're going to figure out how to compromise over the wall. 
And you think that's going to happen before December 20th when the next continuing resolution? Not necessarily, but I think it'll happen before the end of the year, which yeah. doesn't make much difference between December 20th and the end of the year, I understand. But I've given myself a few days uh, in case, you know, I had to put on bets with you because you like to bet a lot. Well, Congress has been eyeing coastal resilience finally, and these are some, you know, there's been some talks before, um, particularly on the East Coast, about how we can manage resilience. Um, but while party leaders try and break the funding in passe, uh, House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee is looking ahead to the planned 2020 Water Resources Development Act, or WERDA. At a November 19th public hearing, there was a significant focus on how to include resilience into water resources projects. And as Congressman Westerman pointed out, resilience can't be included in the projects that aren't built. And of course, that's caused by inadequate funding for authorized projects, often, often referred to as the course backlog, as if it was really the course fault. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know. And, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where uh, everybody talks about, oh, we need to include more nature-based features in our projects, in our resilience. We do. But and the core knows that. Exactly. And most people in the country who are involved with these kinds of things, local leaders, state leaders, they understand it's nice to put nature-based features in there rather than hard structures. But you've got to put money into these things. And so far, Congress hasn't put money into it. On the other hand, that same hearing talked a lot about making more beneficial use of dredged material. Now, that's not, again, it's more a question of money than it is of writing new policies. But I do think the leadership is starting to come from Congress bit by bit, saying we've got to stop dumping all of this precious sediment offshore because a lot of that gets lost. Either that or we have to go spend money, have impact on the environment, all those critters that have surrounded that sand that we put offshore just to be able to bring it back. Right. So. I think uh, that was a good uh, focus of that hearing. And then two other things that were focused on were resilience requirements for adaptation to climate change, uh, as well as incentives for including uh, wetland enlargement and other nature-based features. Uh, one of the witnesses, uh, Gerald Galloway, a former Army Corps of Engineers uh, official and head of the Disaster Resilience Center at the University of Maryland, uh, focused on the problem of how the Corps conducts its benefit-cost analysis. And a true resilience also requires consideration of the impact of a flood on all elements of the community as the interdependence of communities' health, social welfare, environment, governance, and economy are all closely related to the total well-being of the community. So, you know, you translate it into things that we think about. If and the core, incidentally, has a very restrictive method of uh, defining benefits, costs are easy. You sort of add up the cash register, and I guess nobody uses those anymore, but whatever you use to add up, and the bottom line is you have a cost. Benefits, well, they take a look at buildings, and they take a look at certain buildings, certain infrastructure, but they don't look at all the other things that benefit from resilience, whether that is environmental, which is hard to quantify, so therefore they sort of toss that out. And they then don't look at the jobs created, the wages involved, the profits involved, all of the things that get affected by uh, storms and flooding. And therefore, a lot is left on the table, and that's what Dr. Calloway was talking about. And I'm glad that that was a focus also 
of that hearing because members of Congress, I know, can talk about it, but eventually they're going to have to act on that. And I think the eventually is coming very soon. I, I do too. I think there needs to be some sort of legislative solution. Yeah. It also affects rural communities because a lot of flood projects are happening not along the coast, but they're happening inland. And therefore, communities that are not as big, as well developed, there's not as big, uh, all of those things, or that they're poorer communities. The benefit cost ratio, you're basically screwed by the current system. And so, you know, we know we're dealing with that even on the coast, on the West Coast, I mean, where you have communities that are up on bluffs, but they're undermined. We've had deaths because those because we can't get proper resilience for those bluffs, which can be in the form of sand, wetlands, a bunch of things like that. So it's something we need to focus on, and I think I'm glad the hearing uh, had a lot of focus on that. Well, uh, we'll talk about word out a little more as it gets closer to Yeah, that should be coming next year, uh, and I'm glad the committee got it started. I guess I look at this as kind of a kickoff. What should we be looking at for the next water bill on the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee in its hearing uh, this past week did that. So good job, folks. A new bill could slash state's input on the Clean Water Act. Uh, this administration, in its attempt to streamline projects for the benefit of the economy, has placed states in a bind, essentially constricting time windows for permitting and, and uh, review processes. and. With a huge backlog of projects for the Corps and other non-federal agencies, it takes time and manpower to get people literally out into the field to review projects and make important decisions. Oftentimes these delays are perceived as bureaucratic, but oftentimes it truly is a delay because of the time needed to make decisions properly. So this new bill, S-1087, would make matters worse by limiting what states can review in their determinations under the Clean Water Act. Next, we're going to talk about the National Flood Insurance Program. This is going to be an excerpt from, uh, again, our flood insurance expert uh, and good friend Joe Rossi with the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition. As we near 2020, politicians and stakeholders have turned their attention to a bigger issue than legislative reform, Risk Rating 2.0. Risk Rating 2.0 is a redesign on how FEMA will rate structures. FEMA recently postponed Risk Rating 2.0, which was supposed to be introduced with new rates in April 2020 and, and implement the rates in October of 2020. On November 1st, a letter was sent by a coalition of legislators to House leadership asking them to press FEMA to consider the consequences of perceived rate increases associated with risk, ratings, risk rating 2.0's implementation. On November 7th, FEMA announced a postponement of risk rating 2.0. And while October's implementation was going to be a phase of only single-family residences, FEMA now plans a full implementation of all occupancies on October 1st, 2021. In FEMA's press release dated November 7th, FEMA states, some additional time is required to conduct a comprehensive analysis of the proposed rating structure so as to protect policyholders and minimize any intentional negative effects of the transition. There have been concerns by many that Risk Rating 2.0 will become Bigger Waters 2.0. What Risk Rating 2.0 will actually do is, with new technology, communicate true risk. Rates will be modeled in advance in order to prevent the severe rating consequences seen in 2012. Questions remain about how risk rating 2.0 will affect premiums and discounts such as grandfathering. The rating structure is not finalized, but FEMA must stay within, within the current legislative framework for the flood program, which caps increases another, which caps increases and provides other safeguards. However, in the letter, the coalition notes 
Since FEMA is designing a system to reflect individual properties' unique flood risk, we remain concerned that the 15% cap on rate classes and grandfather properties' protections are irrelevant. We know the negative consequences of hiking premiums after the Bigger Waters Act of 2012 caused costs to skyrocket. With risk rating 2.0 on the horizon, we encourage you to do everything possible to prevent premium spikes for our constituents. Now, there's a disconnect between Congress and FEMA, with some in various industries concerned that there has not been enough clear communication on what exactly risk rating 2.0 will look like or how FEMA plans to implement it. With risk rating 2.0 postponement, there are questions on if the new rating structure will ever make it to full implementation. There will be more to come on risk rating 2.0 in 2020 as speculation will grow and more information should be released on how, new, on how a new rating scheme could look. I'm glad Joe uh, gave us that insight because really there has to be change. And, you know, in FEMA, in terms of how it looks at um, mapping and you look at the past rather than projecting into the future and saying, you know, rates were based on that. But they were doing in, in 2.0, at least that's basically a, a good idea. And the fact is that, you know, rates are going to increase. There are issues of... In some uh, case, they'll decrease. Yes. That's, that's and, supposed to represent true risk. Exactly. That's the point. And we have to get to the point where we are not counting on the Uncle Sam that everybody likes to, you know, say bad things about, but we count on Uncle Sam to bail us out all the time after disasters occur. And the federal government, quite frankly, is no longer in the position of putting out tens and hundreds of billions of dollars for, you know, post-disaster stuff. We've got to be able to spend our money more wisely. And I think this is one way. And grants is one opportunity to do it. There's uh, moving into the final section of this podcast, we're talking about bills, grants, and other miscellaneous items. There's a new grant opportunity for coastal habitat restoration. You can find that link in the most recent uh, waterlog, which you can find on our website at waterlog.net. The House passed uh, a bill called H.R. 3541, which requires the Secretary of Commerce to establish a climate change adaptation preparedness and response plan. There's a committee report also available uh, in our most recent waterlog. Also awaiting resolution in the funding in Passe's uh, the Land and Water Conservation Fund. House and Senate bills are about $55 million apart. I think there's something that can work out there. House also recently passed 3702, a bill that makes reforms in the government's CDBGDR, Community Development Block Grant Disaster Relief Program, by requiring more stringent building standards in certain flood-prone areas and setting statutory timelines for the arrival of long-term money to counter complaints that it takes too long to reach victims. Also, a just release GAO report, General, Office, General Accountability Office report, found that the EPA has failed to include climate change in its, agent, in its agency's strategy and planning documents. If you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist, and we won't be doing anything about it. The report focused on the threat posed by climate change to Superfund sites. Well, you know, those things are all important, and I think uh, a lot of information that we have on our waterlog site, I hope that listeners will go there because uh, we've got a load of information about reducing risk, uh, about uh, planning projects, about nature-based features, and a lot of uh, other things that I think are useful to both the layperson as well as to community leaders, officials, and the like. And even just governmental programs that, that you can get involved with uh, that are often not known about. Plus information about how 
you can have an impact on Congress. And that's the subject I don't want to get into in too much depth right now, because I just believe that none of us, including myself, does enough to just do the simple thing of reaching out and effectively contacting our member of Congress. And you look at our website, and we have advice about how to do that. You know, it's like the 10 secrets of actually making your congressman do exactly what you want him or her to do. It's not exactly that way, but we've got some secrets that are good. Right. Happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. I'm going to enjoy it. You will be, too. Yep. Family and friends. I've got the grandkids uh, coming over, which is always a joy. And you've got your family getting together. And, In New Jersey. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening, and happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Take care.